if you're around pharmacy owners at all, you hear the moaning and complaining about PBMs and the reimbursements and the lack of profit and DIR fees and effective rate contracts and all the things that are terrible about independent pharmacy right now. And so a lot of pharmacy owners are interested in like, how can I have a cash-based business? <laughs> like, how do I move away a bit from the PBMs? You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. It is time to give yourself permission to be vulnerable by sharing your story to empower, inspire, and support other women going through life transformation. Vulnerability is brave. Your story matters. What's your story? This podcast is devoted bringing you motivation and inspiration from our community of like-minded people. Hello and welcome to the Story Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Christine Manukian. I'm a functional medicine practitioner, business coach, author, speaker, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a mom of two. In 2020, right before my 40th birthday, my life took a complete 180 when I realized I needed to leave my job as a clinical pharmacist and start my own business journey. I was tired of choosing between family and career. After experiencing my own health transformation, losing over 100 pounds and becoming a natural bodybuilding athlete with a six pack and a marathon runner, I found my true calling, empowering others to reach their health goals without pharmaceuticals. Each week, I'll be bringing you incredible guests to help you feel empowered to live your best life. I believe everyone deserves a second chance to rewrite their story and become the best version of themselves. Together, let's end the stigma of being afraid to share our story. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Story Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me another week and listening to all these incredible women I get to have conversations with. I am beyond grateful for all of my guests sharing their stories to empower, inspire, and support other women going through life transformation. I couldn't be more excited to introduce you to my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Lisa Fast. She's an innovator, experienced business executive, a leader in the independent pharmacy industry with over 20 years of experience as a pharmacy owner, consultant, compounder, and businesswoman. She's able to bring a unique perspective to the industry's problems. Her passion is to helping independent pharmacy owners thrive by focusing on diversifying and then growing revenue streams. She's currently CEO at Diversify RX, a consulting and education company. In addition, being a wife and, listen to this one, mama of four. <laughs> Talk about being a superwoman. You are incredible, my friend. Welcome to the Story Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Christine. It is an absolute honor, and I couldn't be more excited. And yes, life is never dull. <laughs> I know right before we're hopping on on our call, I was sharing how I'm starting off my master classes with hiccups in technology. So it's never a dull moment where you're an entrepreneur. So everyone, it's not that smooth. We all have the same problems too. Yep. It's up and down and it's the emotional roller coaster every day. There's highs and lows and I feel like giving up and then I feel like expanding 10 times all on the same day. Right? I was, oh my God. I had exact the same feelings too. I was like, oh my gosh, like what's going on? Why can I fix this issue that I have with like streaming and zooming? And I was like, you know what? This is an opening up a brand new opportunity for me to learn a brand new platform that probably my audience is going to receive better. And yeah, we figure it out. Like you said, it's never a dull moment, but everything is figureoutable. So that is the name of the game. So I wanted to actually start our conversation by sharing some of the fun facts if you'd like to share with my audience. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a pharmacist by education, but life has taken me in many different directions. And really now what I focus on is the business of pharmacy. And some couple interesting facts, you know, you, when you say you've been in pharmacy for over 20 years, you're starting to feel like, oh, wow, that, you're getting old, right? <laughs> but I do have four kids and they definitely keep me very busy. We recently moved to Northern Texas, just outside of Dallas. And little known facts about myself, I have a second degree black belt in Taekwondo. 
And I actually started that journey when I was pregnant with my second child. So started Taekwondo, pregnant as can be, and it's the only form of structured exercise that I've stuck with. Although I haven't done it for a few years, I still uh, love it and it's, it's the few things. And then I'm just a nerd. I love numbers and I love reading and I love audiobooks. I am just the most like boring person at home that you could possibly imagine. And so when people call me with problems, like I can't figure this out, like I'm just the little Miss Sherlock Holmes. Like I love just digging into that stuff. And like you said, being a mama, dealing with school and virtual school and all those kinds of things that everybody else is right now. But I love the business of pharmacy and really, truly, I get fulfillment out of helping pharmacy owners serve their patients and grow their businesses better. It's, it's actually, you know, you probably feel this too. It's actually more rewarding to help somebody else achieve their wins than it is really to achieve your own wins. Like, I, I don't know, it's like amplified. So I, I really just enjoy that side of the world now. Talk about Taekwondo, <laughs> being pregnant. I didn't expect that one. I'll be completely honest. <laughs> I was like, what? And I know my son, he's been going to Taekwondo. He, he, I don't know about second or first belt, but he is black belt and he has like stripes after that. So what does second black belt mean? Like you do- Second the degree. Belt. So there's, there's like, many degrees black belt. Like you have to be a third degree before you can like own- your own dojo, you know, certain, you know, degrees of mastery, I guess you can think of. So getting your initial black belt usually takes about three years. And then getting your second degree is usually another year and a half to two years after that. So I, I actively did Taekwondo for, you know, on and off over the last, um, well, my second child is almost 11 years old. So I started about 11 years ago, for probably uh, 75% of that, I've been active in Taekwondo, but it's, it's wow. really about your mastery of it. And it's kind of weird, but I reason I stuck with it is I fell in love with the culture of respect and honoring. And that's how we were trying to raise my kids. And that's really what drew me. And then I'm the one that ended up sticking with it <laughs> and not the kids. So... <laughs> Yeah. And imagine how you bring in those skills to your own business too, because how you show up in life is how you show up for other people, how you show up for yourself. And I'm so glad you're sharing that piece of like the respect and honoring everyone's well-being because that's exactly what we do, right? Especially you having so much experience in our pharmacy world, but being so passionate about having those opportunities for other business owners to thrive and feel their best, you know, and you can't get in a relationship like that if you don't have a mutual respect for each other. So thank you for sharing that. That was definitely a fun fact. And I am just so thrilled to talk more about who you are. We all love and adore Dr. Lisa Fast that she's an, like a badass. I'm going to say that. That's one of my favorite words, a badass businesswoman. You guys, this lady has accomplished so much. But I want us to take you back to your journey, how you got started and any hiccups that you had throughout your life as you were going through your own life transformation too, especially being the mom of four, I'm sure life has always happened. And if you can share with us your story so we can provide some hope and inspiration for other listeners, because let me tell you, a lot of women can relate to your story. Yeah. I've had a lot of highs and a lot of lows and, and, you know, that's no different than anybody, but it always feels like you're the only one that experiences those when you're in the middle of it. And so, you know, if you go all the way back to when I was in pharmacy school, I had no idea that I would be in this entrepreneurship world, even though I was kind of drawn to it, you know, it kind of ran some businesses and did some things, you know, being young, but never knew that I would be like this into it. And I actually, what I really wanted to do in school was be a nuclear pharmacist. I did one of my rotations was at Syncor at the nuclear pharmacy. And I just thought that was cool. <laughs> like I was just enamored with it. And when it came time to getting close to graduation, they didn't have any room in their, in their class. Like you have to go through this whole training and, you know, you can imagine being a nuclear pharmacist. And so this was back in way back in 2001, when in California was where I was originally practiced, there was a huge shortage of pharmacists and all of the retail and hospitals, everybody was throwing you know, bonus money and BMWs and, you know, everything at pharmacists to, to get them. I actually went to work at Kmart, which Kmart isn't pretty much out of business nowadays, but it's funny. Whenever I meet a pharmacist that worked at Kmart, we have this nice little like five minute reminiscing session <laughs> because it was a great company to work for as a pharmacist. Pharmacy wasn't their main business. So you didn't get all the pressure of like, sales, 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 and numbers, 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 they pretty much just kind of left you alone. And it was actually my first experience at really running a pharmacy and being 
in charge of that pharmacy, being responsible for the numbers and, and what's in the computer and all of that kind of stuff. So it was actually really good training for entrepreneurship, though I didn't really even quite know it at the time. And I loved my little Wasco town, which is a small farming Hispanic town in the Central Valley of California. And I was there for four years, but man, let me tell you, those patients, I have never met like a better group of patients. I got fed homemade tamales and fresh (laughs) garlic. And I mean, they took well care of me in part because I took well care of them, you know, being out in the middle of the boondocks, the previous pharmacists that they had had were just doing a job and, and they didn't really put in that, that extra effort and, and that extra caring. And I actually learned Spanish out there. I didn't speak Spanish before. And I I learned how to speak to my patients and they appreciated me trying to, even though I might butcher it, you know, completely wrong, but they appreciated the fact that I actually tried to meet them where they were at. And so I had such a great experience out there and I probably would have continued to stay there. But at the time, I, one of my best friends, he had opened a pharmacy and he was experiencing some personal tragedy. His, his child was diagnosed with a a fatal disease that was going to you know, happen very fast. And so he wanted to sell his pharmacy that he had started. And I said, Hey, that sounds kind of interesting, you know, being able to do what I want and you know, how I want it. And so I went through the whole process, applied to the SBA, did a business plan. I mean, the whole nine yards, you can imagine, you know, it was selling it for a little over a million dollars, which was certainly not money that I had <laughs> in my bank account. And If you've never been through the SBA process, it is a grueling process. There was many times where I was in tears because it was just so frustrating. They don't really give you a path. Just anything, any day, your, your loan officer can call. And I remember when I finally got the call from my loan officer that said, hey, you're approved. We can go forward with this. I was excited. Talking about feeling one of those high moments. I immediately called my friend who was selling the pharmacy and I said, I've got the best news. He goes, oh, I've got news for you too. And I'm like, okay, go ahead. He's like, I sold a Rite Aid yesterday. And I was like, what? (laughs) He's like, yeah, I signed the paperwork last night. And so this moment of elation and joy went the complete opposite. And I was devastated. I was like, what am I going to do now? I, I built it up. I was fine working at Kmart and perfectly happy. But once I created this new vision of the future, it was, it was a loss, you know, and I was so sad, you know, by the grace of God, I don't even remember all the connections that took place. But a few days later, I got a call that there was this building that was available for lease in the medical place and there was no pharmacy. And they were looking for somebody to open a pharmacy. That kind of set me out on the journey of opening from scratch my own pharmacy and redoing the business plan and all of that work and re-going through the SBA process again. And, you know, but that's led me to opening my own pharmacy, open for business in 2006. So I started the process in 2005 and it took many, many months. And I often tell people that if I would have known the mountain that I was climbing, I might never have started. Like if I would have known how hard it was and ignorance is bliss sometimes. Like I just kept going with what do I have to do today? Okay. New day. What do I have to do today? And I took it day by day. But if I would have looked at the enormity of opening and there wasn't a whole lot of Facebook groups back then, you know, I was probably even on Facebook, you know, there wasn't all these support structures that there are now for pharmacy owners. And so I really felt like I was doing this all alone. And so I I fumbled and I fell on my face like a ton of times, but it got to the point where we opened and we opened in April of 2006 and it was fantastic. You know, we almost grew ourselves out of business several times. I learned that that's a thing. You can have too much business too quick. And I had a lot of natural instincts when it comes to marketing and strategy, but I got hooked up with some business coaches and I really just learned from peers. I started to to understand how important the network of peers are. And before in college, I never really understood that because, you know, when you're kind of smart and you're just on a path, especially in pharmacy school, you know how it is. You don't have much time for like growing a network. And so I finally really understood the benefits of a network and learning from pharmacy owners. And then just at the height of of our pharmacy ownership, when our pharmacy was finally throwing off the kinds of cash that you dream of, you know, and things were just successful and humming along, 
I got in trouble with the board of pharmacy. And in California, the board of pharmacy is not a nice board of pharmacy. <laughs> I have now I have met so many more other boards of pharmacies that operate how you think a board of pharmacy might, where they're actually helpful for you from a professional standpoint. And what I got in trouble for is actually every day now. I filled telemedicine prescriptions. And I filled them in 2008 and 2009. And for birth control and erectile dysfunction, all the things that the big companies are doing now. And I was the first through that wall. You know, they often say the pioneers have the most arrows in their back. I was probably one of the first pharmacies to fill telemedicine. I'm innovative. I'm not fearful of trying something new. And 99% of the time, it pays off. But that 1%, when it bites you in the butt, it bites you in the butt. And so the Board of Pharmacy deemed that telemedicine prescriptions were a no-no. Even though there wasn't anywhere in the law, there wasn't anywhere in, in case, and I basically was one of the first cases to, to go through, it was their opinion. And there was other pharmacies doing the exact same thing that I was that were friends and family of board members, and they didn't get in trouble. And partly my, my naivety of being 20, I was, I was in my 20s, I had no idea really how much power the board had, and I had no idea that there was this ego that they had. And so I fought because I thought I was right, and I consulted with lawyers, and we all thought I was right. And really, they didn't want to fight. They just wanted me to say, like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You're right. I'm wrong. Let's do this. And I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't have that, that wisdom that comes with age. So I fought, and I fought hard, which only pissed them off more, which only made them fight more. And so. All it came down to is that I was basically forced to sell my pharmacy. Very successful pharmacy. I made the Inc. 500 list. I was in the top 300 of fastest growing businesses in 2011. I mean, all the success that you can ever hope for and was basically forced to sell because of these telemedicine prescriptions. So at the height of our, our pharmacy, uh, we had to sell it. And that was probably the lowest point in my both professional and personal life. As a pharmacy owner, you know, when you're a practicing pharmacist and you're working for somebody else or the hospital, you kind of have that natural distance that it's a job, you know, your name's not on the building. But in my case, my name was on the building <laughs> and I, I didn't have that distance. And so my, my personal identity and my professional self-worth was very much tied up in my pharmacy. And so when that blew up in a matter of, you know, really, it seemed very fast at the end. I went through very, very dark times. Like I didn't know what the world was going to, you know, hold for me in the future. And that was really tough. I didn't know if I would ever recover from that. And that was back in 2012. And even now, I mean, gosh, it's 2021. So, you know, it's almost 10 years later, I can still get emotional, like over it. Like I remember those dark times. And thankfully I had some people that, you know, quote unquote, gave me second chances <laughs> and saw the talent that I did have and the wealth of knowledge and information that I could bring. And all of that leads me now to here to where I get to flourish in helping independent pharmacies strategize. I love creating revenue and profitability and because when they're profitable, that means they're helping patients. And so now I don't get to help my own patients you know, by being that pharmacist in my, in my own pharmacy, I do own some pharmacies now, but I get to help so many more patients because I help the pharmacy owners. And so actually my reach is so much bigger than it could have ever been, even as the most successful that my pharmacy could have been that had I had the tragedy never happened. Things happen for a reason. I'm a, I'm a God believing woman and it was terrible to go through, but I'm actually, I think more impactful now than I was even as a super successful pharmacy owner. Oh my gosh. I'm like sitting here, like I cannot, if I had to interrupt you, like maybe like 50,000 times, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I hope everyone is listening to everything Lisa is sharing with us. I hope you're taking massive notes. If you didn't take massive notes, you need to go back and listen again. This woman started an empire not knowing what to expect. And she said, like, if I have known what I'm going, going to go through, like, I would not have started. And let me tell you how many people are, right now are stuck in that mindset of, like, I got to figure everything out before I take the first step. And they're just stuck in this dark space, living miserable every single day because they're trying to figure it out. Just don't. 
yeah. stop for a minute, just listen to what she just said. And I can relate so much to your experience, like not as a pharmacy owner, like not in my twenties, definitely not that, but just taking the leap of faith and just trusting the process that you know, it's going to happen. And like you said, 99% of the time it's going to work out. Sometimes you won't, but that's the life. I mean, everything has ups and downs, right? But I hope everyone is listening and taking this to the next level because that's how you live life by. If you're going to figure out every single answer, wait for the perfect moment, you are going to miss out on huge opportunities, my friends. You are going to regret and you're going to look back and say, I wish I started sooner. So she's in her 20s. She's in California. Trust me, I know the law in California. (laughs) I am practicing. That's my only professional experience. And actually my first job at Cedars-Sinai, I was regulatory and compliance officer for a hospital for inpatient and outpatient with 900 some beds. Talk about knowing the law and writing the policies and being in the front face with my, you know, chief pharmacy officer dealing with surveys, whether CDPH or CMS. Yes, the law is very vague. And yes, they want you to apologize. And yes, they want money. Yeah. Because every single citation, it brings money, revenue back to the boards. And our state is losing a lot of money. So this was a, a lot of experience for me too. Even like my first job out of residency, I'm in charge of regulation. I'm, I don't have enough experience. Like you said, like we had to figure things out and we just had to make the surveyors happy. But I'm, you know, I'm, in a way, I was sad to hear that you had to sell your business. But let me tell you, when you start talking about how it served you for serving a lot more people, that was just like, oh my gosh, that's it. Because someone, God knows, you're made for so much more. And you're playing small, being so successful in one pharmacy. Yep. Now you get to operate in a lot more scalable space, not only dealing with one, two, or like, I don't even know how many pharmacies you have, but again, Talk about massive explosion because now you are prepped to go through that painful experience. So now you can serve like thousands of more people and patients like daily basis. That's just powerful, my friend. <laughs> yes, so thank you. I, it, it is. And I've, I've spoken with, you know, in front of audiences of thousands and, you know, done countless webinars and other teaching things. But, you know, I, I truly believe that the downturns in life, both personal and professional, I mean, I've had miscarriages. Actually, when I, when I had the big inspection of my pharmacy and all of this came out and I got my original fine, you want to talk about fines from California. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. And I didn't, I realized later that California board of pharmacy self-funded. So they only get to exist if they find pharmacies. But I remember like my first fine, the first fine from the telemedicine was like $55 million was like the fine, the letter. And then you get, just get a letter. And like on this letter was like, I don't know. And then we're finding me as a person and then the business as well. So it added up to like $120 million or something. But during that process, you know, I ended up having a miscarriage at some point in there, I, probably from a lot of the stress. And even in that case, when that was a, a real low, that was a personal low, it was amazing that in the immediate months after that, I had friends and colleagues that went through miscarriages. I had patients that went through miscarriages. And so like, I was able to reach them on a different level because I had experienced that. And same thing with pharmacy owners now, when, when they're experiencing audits or they're experiencing inspections from the board, or they're experiencing things that are really, really big trials that are threatening their business, I can help them. And I can have that empathy of having gone through there and knowing that exactly what you said, you may not know what it's all going to plan out or every single step of the way, but I am proof that you can get through some really tough and really hard times and come out on the other side. And it doesn't feel good in the middle of it, but you know, that's for sure. But you can get through, it's all about perseverance and, and getting through that. And so I believe that my history, I used to be really embarrassed of it. Like it was somehow I made a bad mistake. You know, I was always that straight A student and never got in trouble and the right side of the, you know, the railroad, so to speak. And I always felt like I failed, you know, I failed my patients and I failed my business, my employees. I mean, I had 40 families that were counting on, you know, their jobs and I've gotten over that, that it wasn't my failure. You know, it was a failure of one, the system that was there in California but that I'm just human that, you know, I made an error in judgment for right or wrong. And I no longer carry that embarrassment of it. 
I've tried to learn from it and I've used it to help other people learn from it. And so thank you for acknowledging that. But I, I am very excited that I get to work and help with so many pharmacy owners. And like I said, they're patients. Like I, I help people with compounding and all these kinds of really great things that really help patients. And, you know, whether it's bringing new revenue, like uh, remote patient monitoring, you know, we've kind of talked about that. And, you know, you with your functional medicine practice, like, man, our impact on patients' lives is just increased dramatically because we're helping other pharmacy owners and other pharmacists that are out there creating their own businesses. So it's, it's very rewarding now on this side. Wow. And talking about being ashamed to share your story and being ashamed of this whole stigma that was behind this, like, you know, the quote unquote, the norm. Yes. And that's when I saw my own calling to Lisa, like, you know, creating this podcast, because it's specifically, again, for women, not being afraid to share their stories and not being afraid to, to be vulnerable, you know, like, having a miscarriage and having like low lows, like you were talking about, that's not an easy topic to share with other people. But when you let go of the stigma and you're actually talking about that, like, look, you just said like you talk to so many people, they're going through the same life transformation. It can be personal health journey, can be financial journey. It can be just life in general. We go through this like life transformation all the time. And that's why I was like, you have to create this podcast. I want women to just own their stories like you're just doing right. I'm getting goosebumps just listening to you. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this needs to be heard. Every single woman needs to hear this because again, we're somehow we're all connected. Somehow we're all have something in common that's going to like open up so many more doors of opportunities and learning from one another too. And creating this opportunity of community space that you feel safe to talk and you feel safe to share struggles because it's not sexy to share struggles that you're struggling financially, health, it doesn't matter, like you're struggling. It's not that sexy, but just owning it, knowing this is just temporary. And if you trust the process, you will overcome that. But we just don't want you to be stuck there and ask for help, please ask for help. That's how we do what we do. We help everyone else, but you have to be open and saying, Hey, Lisa, can I ask your opinion? I need your help. There's nothing wrong with asking for help, asking for guidance. It doesn't make you less smarter than the person in front of you. (laughs) We just may have a little bit more experience in that area. We have gone through that, you know, like hurdles, like we're talking about, it's okay to ask. And I know like you're talking about as our profession, like we're also like, we have to figure out everything by ourselves and I got this, you know, I don't need help. I'm like, no, it's time to like, let go of that. Like ego, we talked about ego. I'm like, it's time to let go of ego. Just because you've been doing something all these years doesn't mean there's a better way to do it. So learn. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's something personally, I just struggle with. I mean, it doesn't matter if it has something to do with my business or pharmacy, or even if it's moving from house to house, like I tend to want to, I tend to do it all. Like I tend to lean on myself and I have a really hard time leaning into others. And I had the thing that helped me kind of change my frame mindset is I enjoy helping others so much. And I kind of started to have to tell myself if I don't ask others for help, I'm withholding the joy that they get from helping me. Like, and, and it's, and it's hard and it, and it's kind of like, well, that's loosely logical, but I had to tell my brain something in order to do that because I'm so independent, which most of the time works for you, you know, in professional life, being able to get, get stuff done is an advantage, but you know, not being able to ask for help will eventually come out and bite you in the butt. It'll eventually hurt you. And all the things in personal, whether it's help with the kids or help with your family or help with cooking dinner or hiring that cleaning lady that's going to help, you know, keep your house in order. Like I have made some very big strides in asking for help and learning all that, you know, it's not some badge of honor that, you know, you get to wear that you can do it all. Like really nobody else cares. Like they're all struggling with their own figuring out how to do it all. And so really it was doing nobody any good to try to pretend to wear that badge of honor. And so I I definitely have made strides, but it's still an area I struggle with. Like it's, it's something that it's like a muscle, you know, you have to exercise it and you have to keep it going. And that first time you ask for help is the hardest. (laughs) And usually you're in such 
a bad place that is prompting you to ask for help, that that makes it even harder, even harder when you get to that point. But trust me, if you just start taking baby, baby steps, you know, whether it's having somebody help you with the kids or help cook meals or whatever, those baby steps will make it easier the next time you go to ask for help. And whether it's on the professional level of, hey, I'm looking for a job. Could you write me a letter of recommendation or things like that? That is really going to help you succeed professionally. Practice it in both sides of your life. I, I kind of laugh when people say work-life balance. Like there's some divide between work and life. I have never known what that is. Like if somebody's mastered that, like fantastic. But in my world, that doesn't exist. But, and partly maybe because I'm an entrepreneur. The work is life and life is work. I have four kids. They're in sports. They, you know, do all different kinds of things. Mama brings her laptop, you know, when son is in water polo, I'm watching, you know, my son. And then when he's stubbed out, I'm back to, you know, the laptop there, you know, there is no work-life balance. And my kids know, Hey, remember that, that nice thing you wanted? Remember that nice thing you wanted to go to? Hey, guess how mom pays for it? Do you know, like they understand that, you know, mom has to work and work creates money and money creates what they want. And hopefully they're seeing that work ethic, you know, come in, but we're very open and transparent with both our family and our friends about how we work because my, my husband's self-employed as well. And so I always just laugh when people talk about work-life balance, you know, you just, you have to figure out how to juggle. It's all a juggling act. And at when in one point, there's one ball in the air that you're paying attention to, and you're just hoping the other ones stay on their track and they stay in the momentum so that you can catch it when it's, when it's time to come around. And, you know, to me, that's how, that's how we live life. But that's, that's how you take experience, too, is just one step, one step at a time, as you mentioned. Absolutely. And I'm, for the first time in my life, I made a vision board with the kids. Because, you know, I've had my full time job, I was an entrepreneur, a little bit like a side hustle in network marketing with my health and wellness company. So what they saw was mommy's always on the phone. Mommy's always going to events, mommy's always busy. They didn't understand this is considered work. They only saw like, I'm busy, I'm not paying attention to them. And when that moment like clicked, I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, I have not told the kids what the heck I'm doing. They see me, let's say, on my phone, scrolling through, let's say, social media, but they don't understand that's how I'm communicating with my clients. That's how I'm networking, right? They didn't understand. And my kids, are they were younger when I started a network marketing company, and they just didn't understand what I was doing. But what they saw was just like, mommy's always busy. So till I had that open conversation, it took me like almost like four years to figure it out. I was like, why, why are the kids so kind of like resentful kind of thing? You know what I mean? (laughs) Every time I come in here to get on the phone call, all of a sudden they break stuff, they make a mess. All of a sudden they're hungry. I'm like, why are they constantly trying to like interrupt me? Right. And I just didn't understand it because they did not understand what I was doing. So I remember last year we made the vision board together in 2020, January, 2020. I actually had a vision board party in my house. That was actually the last party we had <laughs> at all before the pandemic. Pre-COVID, yeah. yeah pre-COVID I invited like 20 of my girlfriends. We all made vision boards. And then I intentionally did not finish my vision board because I wanted to finish it with the kiddos. So when all my guests left, I actually had the kids around the table and I had them like cut out things that inspired them. I said, you know what? Mommy wants to leave her job this year. I'm not going to let you guys go back to the school after school program till 6 p.m. We're going to figure out a way. So what would you like to get as a reward, as something that we're going to celebrate? How are we going to celebrate when mommy leaves her job and I can actually pick up you from school? So I had them dream. And I had to have that conversation. When you see me on the phone talking or when you see me going to an event, when you see me having gatherings, mommy's working. That's what her job is. It's non-traditional. You have to understand what we're doing. And all of a sudden, we have beachfront vacation houses on my vision (laughs) board. We have Disney, like, all out. You know, we have trips to Europe. We have a whole space, like, you know, for one month, we want to go to Armenia, where we're from, because they've never been there. And I'm like, this is what it means to dream again when you involve the kids and you're creating those not only memories, but also letting them be part of your journey. And now they understand what I do. Now when I'm telling hey, mommy has to hop on on the call, they know what's up. They know because I'm working. This is considered work. 
you know, it was just because we're home, it doesn't mean we're not working. You know what I mean? <laughs> we constantly have this like uh, conversation like, well, daddy works harder. I'm like, yeah, because he drives to work, but mommy's working harder because I'm taking care of the house, you guys and the job, right? <laughs> so it's always this fine balance. But like you said, I don't know what life work balance is too, because I do exactly what you just mentioned. We figure out a way to bring them both together. So then you can create more opportunities down the line. You know what I mean? If you want to take a month off and go travel to Europe, you can totally do that because you can bring your laptop with you. We live in this digital space and your income is not going to go down just because you're on vacation. But for the normal person, like, yeah, you, you will not be able to take a month off. Are you kidding me? Yet yeah. alone to like make more income while you're traveling. It's unheard of. But so what you're doing is, yes, you're being very innovative, but also you're being raw and real. This is not easy. And it's not for everyone. No. It's not for everyone. And a lot of people give up too soon. And I want to talk about this for like a, for a second too. Like there are just so many times we're like, oh my gosh, like, is this, is why is like, let's say all of a sudden, a lot of things happening back to back, back to back, back to back. Like, am I going to get a break? And let me tell you, if you give up at that point, I'm pretty sure you've had a lot of those moments. You're like, that's it. Like, let me go figure something else. But just the next day might have been like completely different experience, like your friend selling <laughs> the business and you getting your loans. I'm like, what? Like, but it prepped you for this whole new world, right? So can you talk about like, have, was there like an experience in your life when you were like, you know what, this is it. Maybe I'm in the wrong movie. I need to like get out of this script. <laughs> like, did you have any of those moments of like, what the heck is going on? Yeah, actually, you know, when, when I have those moments, having four kids and going through for deliveries, you know, when you're, when you're going through your birthing class, they teach you about transition and, and all the signs of transition is you feel like giving up, like you can't do it. And, and like, this is never going to end. And when you start having those thoughts means you're almost to the finish line. And I, I, that stuck with me from my very first birthing class. And so when you talk about that, people give up too early, just it's some things in life are just the same. It's like, just when you get to that moment, when you feel like, I'm going to give up. I'm going to do this. Like I'm so far away. I'm never going to get there. It's, it's like, that's when you're in a transition moment. Like that's when you need to push through and get to the other side. And I did recently have, um, you know, several of those moments. I had worked at a company called pharmacy development services for many years since I sold my pharmacy, I went to work for them and I had a lot of success and I had a lot of greatness there. And I finally kind of started feeling like, I was ready to leave the nest, so to speak. <laughs> I had only been an entrepreneur. You know, I had jobs as, you know, a youngin, but I was really an entrepreneur. And then I had worked for this company and I felt like I needed to get out and make my own way, kind of do my own thing. And so when I was contemplating leaving, you know, I was talking to my CEO and doing all that things you're kind of do and talking to your husband and, you know, friends and family. I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know if staying in pharmacy was the right answer. I had lots of talents that were applicable to other areas, really good at marketing, digital marketing, all kinds of marketing websites, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so when I started looking at the job market out there, granted, this is in the middle of the pandemic, like making this decision, you know, I was looking at maybe going to work for a local winery. I'm here in North Dallas. There's lots of companies here. I was looking at all kinds of different businesses. Most of them had nothing to do with pharmacy. Like I, it wasn't intentional. It just, I kind of found myself being drawn to that. And then at the same time, the more I got drawn to non-pharmacy stuff, I also started realizing I started having like some anxiety and the anxiety I'm talking about is very low grade, not like medical anxiety, but I, I had these almost voices in my head of like, but you have all this pharmacy knowledge, like what's going to happen? Like, you're not going to help pharmacy anymore. Like that's going to feel really crappy. And I kind of just started like, well, what am I going to do? Because I do have all of this knowledge between my pharmacy ownership and my work at PDS and just my natural experiences that I've had. There's not many people out there in our industry that has my breadth of experience and knowledge. And I, I felt like if I moved away from pharmacy, that that would somehow harm everyone else because they're not giving access to my knowledge. And then like, it was this really conflicting type of, of emotion. And so that's actually why I started Diversify RX was because as I was leaving my job and I was considering these non-pharmacy jobs, I was like, 
it was almost like therapy for me. Well, I'm going to create this company that's still going to be educational and I'll still help pharmacy owners and I'll still talk to pharmacy owners and I can share my wisdom. And that like gave me comfort. It was like those heavy weighted blankets. Like I felt comfortable. And so it's like, no matter what I'm going to go do, I have this diversifier X thing that I get to express myself and share my wisdom. So I was like, okay, anxiety, like taking care of, got that done. And then I ended up getting a job in, in pharmacy. I ended up getting a job at a wholesaler. I was the chief revenue officer and being chief revenue officer was kind of my dream job or my dream title. I should probably say, Mm -hmm. you know, is in, in the corporate world, I learned that titles matter. And even though in my own personal world, I never really mattered much about titles, but you know, becoming chief revenue officer was kind of a pinnacle for me. That was like one of those other ups, like, Hey, I made it. I I arrived. And cause so many other doors open for you at at an executive level, when you reach, reach a title like that. And then six months later, I found myself now leaving again, like very quickly, this, you know, this whole roller coaster thing happened. And then as I was applying for jobs and looking for what my next thing was going to be, I was kind of having a replay of, of, the emotions that I had just had like six months previous. And, and then I finally like looked at my husband one day and I said, why am I applying for these jobs? Like, I know what I love doing. I love and Cause I would have conversations with pharmacy owners all the time because probably half of the owners in the country have my cell phone number, you know, so I get calls all the time and I had just gotten off like a really good call and I'm just helping them. Like I just love helping them and I'm probably too giving with my time, but And I was like, oh, that was great. Oh, that felt great. And then I was like, went back to start applying. And I was like, why am I applying for jobs? Like, I'm never going to get this kind of satisfaction from those jobs that I'm applying for. And I was like, why? I already know what I enjoy. I already know what I'm good at. Like, why not just go do that? You know, it's like, you know, then it's like, oh, well, your money and our budgets and this. And I was like, okay, well, let's figure this out. Like, how much can we cut? You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and so it was really that aha moment of why would I go take a job that sure I can do well enough. I mean, I'm a skilled person. I can do that. And, you know, I'll get a paycheck and of this, but I'm not going to have that passion. I'm not going to really, truly enjoy it because it's not what I really like. I always say, I don't know why, but God blessed me with understanding how to run profitable, thriving pharmacies. Like, I don't know why, like you never would have thought like God had a niche of like, Hmm, I need somebody on earth for pharmacy, but I feel like that's what he's done. Cause I just, I get things. And so it's like, why would I go against what my God given talent, you know, is about. And so we made the decision and then we justified the decision. It's like, okay, what do we have to cut in our budget? And what do we have to do? You know, all these different things. And we figured out how to make it work. I mean, I'm a, I'm a kombucha addict. I love, I love Kavita kombucha and I drink before I used to drink four or five a day, like, and they're super expensive. Like it was my, I'm like how people have Starbucks habits. It was my habit. And I used to joke that I needed to get a second job just to fund my Kavita habit. And so one of the things I was like, okay, giving up Kavita, like mom's willing to sacrifice Kavita in order to have like the passion and fulfill the passion that I want. And so now it's a treat. Like if I'm at target, I'll be like, okay, I'll, I'll get one. I'll get one, you know? And it's like, it's a, it's a super treat now, but you know, you, you look at your budget and amazingly we could cut a lot. Like we realize, and we talk to the kids because like you we're very transparent with the kids. We, you know, they know about work, they know about money, they know about bills. We're like, okay, kids, this is, this is what's happening in order to, to make this work. And we together as a family, came together because, you know, my husband's like, I love seeing the smile on your face. Like you have a smile on your face again, when you're excited about this and you know, you know how it is. It's hard work. I mean, it's, it's definitely not the easy route, but I actually enjoy the work so much more than walking back into a corporate corporate job or something like that, where, you know, do a good job, but there's a difference between having a job and fulfilling your passion and that difference is, is huge when you talk about impact on your family and the pick on your life and eventually the impact on your income, because when, when you're really fulfilling your passion, you're going to figure out a way to, to make money and, and to, to make it worthwhile. So oh that gosh. definitely was a journey <laughs> of kind of figuring that out of like, what do I want to do? Am I, am I, am I on the right bus, you know, kind of thing, or do I need to change, change tracks? And so 
I've definitely gone through several of those <laughs> in the last just year, almost coming up on a year that really it, it, the first thought started, started swirling. And I've had two major moments, two major shifts in, in that year. And I finally feel like I'm home. If, if that makes sense. Like I finally feel I'm the, I'm the round peg in the round hole. Like I've finally found like the right fit, which is kind of going back to my roots of entrepreneurship. And as you said, like controlling your own destiny. I think that's what I actually love about entrepreneurship as a whole is that I may not know what the day to day brings, but I know that I'm in control of my future. And I like that certainty more than knowing what I'm going to be doing at any one hour of any one day is knowing that if I fail or succeed, it's because of me and how I do it. Definitely some transition moments in the past several months. Wow. I'm just like, holy moly, mic, mic drop moments after moments. I'm, I'm just telling you like everything you just shared with us. It's so relatable to everyone else that's going through this, this whole year of like 2020, like, what the heck, right? But you found new paths that is hard work, but you feel so fulfilled. That doesn't seem like it's work again. And talking about cuts, I had to have that cut conversation with my husband too when I said, babe, this is it. I'm leaving my job, turning my two-week notice. I can't do this anymore. I'm trying to grow this business on the side, but like it's hard to do when you have a full-time job and no babysitting. Like it, it's just hard. You know, my husband being in a pharmacy world is, you know, he's a director of pharmacy, like, and that's all he knows. He's like, don't do it. Don't leave your job now. It's the worst time of the year. Why would you leave your job during the pandemic? I say, you don't understand. We'll figure it out. Yes, we immediately overnight when it was my last paycheck, we had a cut in our salary, like half, because I was not in a position to like match my income and leave. That would have taken me probably like a year or so. I'm like, I don't have that time. I'm going to have to figure it out. So guess what I did? No more getting nails done. I learned how to do my own nails and eyebrows. <laughs> my only treat was I got to go get my hair done because that's something I just don't want to deal with. But again, you figure out what can you cut to create the lifestyle that you can actually like not only grow, but like thrive, right? And create this lifestyle of like, oh my gosh, like we figure it out. And when you're talking about finding home, I'm like, baby, I'm home <laughs> physically and literally I'm home. This feels so right. And it was like you said, the first decision is the hardest one and letting go of this incredible job and talking about titles. I'm one of those people too. promotion after promotion. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. I love this fancy titles. I love this extra like, you know, stuff that comes with the titles of responsibilities and kind of stress. Cause that's what we're like thriving. We want to like, please everyone. Oh my God, look at me. I have like 20 letters behind my name. Cause I've accomplished all these things. But at the end of the day, I was not fulfilled. And that was my number one reason I said, I have to create my own legacy. I'm not in the right movie. This is great, but I'm not home. I'm not fulfilled. And letting go of 13 years of relationship with my staff and everybody else saying like, Bye. I'm not going far. I'm just a phone call away, but I'm in the wrong movie. It's time to create my own. And yes, it is hard. <laughs> it's scary. Like you said, you don't know how your day to day is going to go. I mean, it, you just don't know. You can't plan everything. And that's okay to learn how to like deal with those uncertain situations too, because you know, you're making a huge impact. And speaking of which, I'm going to transition and I want to actually have you the opportunity to talk about this incredible summit that you've been putting together. And I'm so grateful for having you my, as my mentor, like, you know, you have such an incredible experience and your network and also understanding what our pharmacy profession needs and creating this incredible event and me being part of it too, having me speak to your group. Can you please tell us a little bit about the summit that you're hosting and when we can expect, how can we get registered and how can we impact more lives by being surrounded by people like you who are already doing this and learning from one another? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. So yes, I've I'm putting together the Pharmacy Profit Summit. And really, this kind of came about when I was talking with some pharmacy owners and we were having a little fest about complaining of all the summer trade shows are going virtual and that 
it's just not going to be the same, not getting to talk with other pharmacy owners and learn from other pharmacy owners and kind of get to hear about all those new strategies that they often do at these events. Because really, those events are more about kind of the networking that happens, you know, non-during class hours. And and so and many of them were almost, the, the other half were kind of like, well, I'm just going to like take the summer off, like kind of thing. It was almost like, well, since it's virtual, I'll just have, I'll register so I can get my rebates, but I'm not really going to engage. And what, what I really started kind of worrying about was all these pharmacy owners aren't going to make some meaningful differences in their pharmacy over the summertime. And, you know, we all know that we're busy with COVID vaccines. Some pharmacies are actually starting to step away from COVID vaccines, you know, because their, their populations are, are getting vaccinated. And so it's kind of like, well, what's next? What's next for pharmacy owners after COVID vaccines and without all the summer trade shows to maybe spark ideas for them? And so to me, it's always about profit. And many pharmacy owners have this kind of mythology that profit is somehow bad. Like if you've made a profit, you've cheated somebody or you've done something and, and it's bad, but it's not. Like your community is relying on you to be a profitable pharmacy that you, so you can stay in business and your employees are relying on you and having a profit in any business, but even more importantly in pharmacy is so critical to the success of your pharmacy. And there's so many great new programs out there. And sometimes you do have to invest a little in order to get the return, whether it's investing in education or maybe investing in equipment or something. And you can't do any of that without profit. Like profit is what drives the growth and development of your business so that you can better serve your, your patients and your community. And so this Pharmacy Profit Summit is a six day, it's virtual, but it's a little bit different than just kind of a virtual event where, hey, you got to show up at 10 o'clock and watch this session and that's it. So what it is, is each, each day of the six days has a different theme. And we start out with cash-based revenue. If you're around pharmacy owners at all, you hear the moaning and complaining about PBMs and the reimbursements and the lack of profit and DIR fees and effective rate contracts and all the things that are terrible about independent pharmacy right now. And so a lot of pharmacy owners are interested in like, how can I have a cash-based business? Like, how do I move away a bit from the PBMs? So we're starting out with cash-based business and and non-PBM revenue. Then we're moving into talking about clinical services, which is where, you know, you fit into this with functional medicine and really understanding how you as a pharmacist can be a clinician and get paid for those services now. You don't always have to have you know, fancy collaborative practice agreements and you don't have to have these complicated billing things. People are going to pay for your services if you provide what they're looking for and you provide value. And then we're going to talk about PBM optimization because no matter what, no matter how much we complain about PBMs, still the majority of independent pharmacies revenue flows through a PBM. So we have to know how to best manage that how to optimize it, how to get rid of the bad stuff, how to do more of the good stuff. And then we're moving into marketing because no matter which strategy a pharmacy owner picks, whether it's cash-based or clinical, you're going to have to know how to market it and get it out to your community. And then the very last day is you can't do it alone. (laughs) You as a pharmacy owner and, and really as the entrepreneur of your business, you cannot do it alone. You know, you mentioned earlier about having your guy edit the podcast. It's like, you're not editing the podcast. You can't do that. You got to rely on somebody else. If you're teaching a class, you can't necessarily be the best person to edit the video. Have somebody else do that. And you're a pharmacy owner. You can't implement a single strategy all by yourself. You have to have your team develop and you have to have a profit-minded team because frankly, out of the thousands of decisions, if you think about in your pharmacy, The thousands of decisions that are made inside your four walls, you, the pharmacy owner, are not making the majority of those decisions. It's the employees. And it can be as simple as, do I use a paperclip or do I use a staple? And that may sound trite. That may sound like this, but boy, paperclips cost, what, 20 times as much as a staple? And if they're constantly making decisions for the more expensive option, it's, it's a snowball effect. It cascades and it leads to other decisions that are maybe not the best decisions. And so we're really taking a comprehensive approach to pharmacy profitability with the six day summit. And so each day we'll release the videos for that day's topic and you have 24 hours to watch them. So if you want to listen on your way to work, if you want to listen during lunch in the morning, late at night, completely upon your schedule, 
And then the next day you'll get fresh new videos that, that you get to watch. Myself and my team at Diversify have gathered, I think, just a superb list of experts. I mean, you, Christine, are certainly one of them. Lots of new faces. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, people... I have some of the, what I'll say, oldie but goodies, some of the favorite faces that have been around, but I also really tried to come up with some new faces as well, because there's just so much excitement when, when times are tough and, and things shrink down and you get pressure, that's when the innovative people like are at their best. And so because this past year has been so tough, some of the innovative people that we have have really just shined. And they're sharing their wisdom and they're sharing their experience with everybody. And so the Profit Summit is free to register. You can register at pharmacyprofitsummit.com and Christine will help, will help get you to the right place. Um, but you, you have to register because we have to know where to send the email to of, of the links. And if you want, you can purchase the recordings. You can listen to them as like audio files, like podcasts and those kinds of things. If you want, it's not necessary, but at least register for free, get the access to the videos, watch which ones you want. Certainly, you know, obviously the summit is for lots of different pharmacists and lots of different pharmacy owners and entrepreneurs in this space not everything's going to apply to you so pick and choose we're going to have you know descriptions of what that of what that session covers and we're here to support you uh, we have a Facebook group that you'll be invited to after you register so if you have questions or you need some follow-up we are trying to create that tribe of badass pharmacy owners that are just not going to take you know pharmacy ownership laying down anymore you have to diversify which is really where the name Diversify RX came from is you cannot be relying on just any one revenue stream. And I think that's true for any business that you're in. If you're a, you know, if you're a coach and an expert like you, Christine, you know, you have classes, you have one-on-one -on -one coaching, you have digital products, you know, you have different revenue streams that support you. And a pharmacy needs the exact same thing. We cannot rely on the PBMs. We can't rely on cash only. Like it has to be this combination of strategies in order to succeed in this day and age of, of pharmacy. So yeah, I'm really excited about the Pharmacy Profit Summit, putting together a very great list. Again, it's pharmacyprofitsummit.com and the videos are dropping, so to speak, on May 10th. May 10th is day one. Um, so it's a Monday and it'll go all the way through to that Saturday. Again, just a couple of videos. We try to keep them around 20 minutes, nice and bite-sized, usually about four or five videos a day. You can watch at your leisure. And our goal is that after the summit, you will have a plan for the next 90 days to make a meaningful and dramatic difference in your profitability and your pharmacy. So by the time you get through summer, you're in a much better place than you have ever been before. And because these strategies are happening now, they're proven now, they're working now. We don't have things from two years ago or three years ago. It's things that are doing now. And so that's our goal of the Pharmacy Profit Summit is in 90 days, you have increased your profits in your pharmacy. Oh my gosh. And Lisa, you just said something else like, oh my gosh, talk about the universe falling into space. So I'm, my presentation is going to be on the second day, which is the clinical services, which is going to be May 11th. Let me tell you, I launched my practice last year, May 11th of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I, like, you were just talking about the piece. I was like, wait a minute, I'm going day two. That's the day I launched my practice. Talk about a meaningful day that myself, my personally, and I'm all like, I'm a huge believer. Everything happens for a reason, the right time. And I feel like I just found my soul sister because you did say the word badass. And I love that. And this event is going to be badass. I'm so thrilled. And I know we can spend probably like hours and hours of chit chatting, but this has been such a joy to have you on my show. This has been such a aha experience because I, I was like, I'm going to like not take notes right now because I'm like recording this, but I'm going to listen again. There are so many like important things that you said that you can apply not only in your professional career, but also in your personal life as well. So thank you for your time. I am so excited to have you in my network and girlfriend, let's have this badass summit coming. We'll drop the links in the show notes so everyone can go ahead and grab their seats and just welcome to the community. This is where the magic happens. So don't be a stranger. See y'all inside. Thank you so much for investing your time with me on the Story Podcast. I am so grateful for your support 
and hope you feel empowered and inspired to give yourself permission to rewrite your story and become the best version of yourself. If you love this episode as much as I did, please take a moment, screenshot, and share on Instagram. Don't forget to tag me at Dr. Christine Manukian so I can personally thank you and welcome you to our community. You never know who needs to hear this episode right now. And I would be so appreciative if you would head over to iTunes, press subscribe, and leave a five-star review of the show. This way, together, we will expand our community and reach and empower more women. If you want to meet real-life Wonder Woman, let's connect on my Instagram at Dr. Christine Manukian or my website, drchristinemanukian.com. To be featured as my guest, please email me at drchristine at story.co. Until next time, live with passion. <music>